You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Thank you for listening. This is episode 41 of the Saturday edition of the Nick Luck Daily Podcast. My name is Charlotte Greenway and it's Friday the 10th of June. Well, it'll be no surprise to you all that this episode is going to focus on next week's racing at Royal Ascot. Five days of top class racing with a strong international challenge from the likes of Australia and America, which we'll hear about a little bit later on. First though, concentrating on the domestic challenge, I was at Newmarket on Thursday morning to watch some of John Gosden's Ascot team canter up Warren Hill. Emily Upjohn was out and looking well, and a last minute decision will be made over her participation in the Ribblesdale following her unlucky second in the Oaks. Mishriff was another that looked well and very relaxed. However, the plan is for him to bypass the Prince of Wales in favor of the Eclipse, while stablemate Lord North will take in the Prince of Wales. Of course, the main attraction was the wonderful Stradivarius, who strutted his stuff. And here's what John Gosden had to say about him ahead of the Gold Cup on Wednesday. You know, it's one thing training an eight-year-old gelding, it's another thing training an eight-year-old full horse. But he's happy and well. Look, I'm just hoping the weather holds for him. We can get to run on something called good ground rather than soft or heavy, which is, isn't his scene at all. When we were going to Goodwood last year, you know, you turn up for the first day of Goodwood, you don't expect it to be heavy ground. <laughs> you really do. Summer racing. And John, when you mentioned tra- the difference between training an eight-year-old gelding and an eight-year-old horse, just w- so w- what challenges does that present just for our audience? Well, I think we can answer it by saying testosterone is probably the most <laughs> dangerous drug in the world. <laughs> that probably answers the question. You know, they're going to start thinking about other things, aren't they? Um, what did Dick Hearn say? Give me a stable of geldings and I'll kill the bookmakers. <laughs> <laughs> Has he sharpened up since you do you think, Stradivarius? Since it's a bit old for him to sharpen up now, <laughs> like the rest of us, I think. No, look, he's, he, he runs how he runs. He tends to get there and that's it. He, he's just He's reached the stage where he knows how to race and he, he doesn't want to be left massive amount to do on the other hand if you get there too early that's not a good idea either he's just a really old he's an old pro now he goes in the ring he does what he has to do he comes home he had bad luck in in, with ground last year and in a couple of tactical issues but he's you know he's still he's still up to running a huge race in the gold cup and uh, as long as the ground isn't soft or heavy you know which at the moment we hopefully won't be and when he goes, John, you'll be sorry to see him go. He's been around the place so long. Where does he rank in, in terms of... I mean, I know it's hard to put into context and compare, but of all the great ones you've trained. Well, he's, you know, obviously, he and Nabel was with us for till she was six, which is, which, you know, she won the King George as a six-year-old, and he's now eight. So you don't normally in flat stables have horses around for that long. You know, let's face it, most of them are moving on at three, four, and five. <laughs> but, I mean, it is a remarkable achievement to have him still running at this... Yeah, no, it's great. Age. Let's, you know, he's won the Yorkshire Cup. Let's put, let's hope he puts in a big one. You know, you'd have to argue as an eight-year-old, he's he was probably at his prime at five, maybe into six. But at eight, you've got to be, you know, you have to face the fact that, uh, you know, see, it's like the boxer getting back in the ring too late in the career is sometimes to keep him. But he's he's up for it at the moment. The plan was always try and run here and try and run at Goodwood. So we're sticking to the plan as long as he's with us, which he is at the moment. 
We know his jockey can get quite emotional, but how are you when he runs? Well, are you, uh, no, I'm fine about it, just as long as I keep the jockey under control, you know? <laughs> yeah. Reach for the Moon was, of course, the horse that many had hoped would finally win the derby for Her Majesty the Queen, and in her jubilee year at that... But he suffered a setback over the winter, and that wasn't meant to be. But he's back on track now, following a second in the Heron Stakes at Sandown last time. And John Gosden spoke of his likely target next week. Are you thinking uh, Hampton Cart for Reach for the Moon? That's say? what we're thinking at the moment, yeah. Rather than King Edward. You'd yeah, I think so. Probably the mile and a quarter. Yeah, he's, he's pleased us in his work, gone very nicely. We're very happy with him. Yeah. Sort of a tough spring with him because you were hoping to get him into a derby at one Well, I think when you sustain an injury like that, uh, you have to go very, very incrementally, very gently. And it just wasn't going to happen in time. Uh, and you can't, and, and um, obviously the owner, reader, uh, was very keen to do everything that was right by the horse. So that made it, it made it simple for me in a sense that I could just get the horse, get a run in at Sandown and then go to Royal Ascot. Would you be worried about the prelims at all with him? He was a bit on his toes. At oh, he's a character. He likes to play and shout. No, I think he enjoys the prelims. You'll hear him. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's a character that way. In Spiral is one that we didn't get to see on the press morning as she was being put through her paces later on in the morning by Frankie de Tory in her final piece of work ahead of the Coronation Stakes. And here's the update on her. She's coming to herself taken a long time but I think we're beginning to see the, the filly of last year again Yeah, so hopefully put in a big performance I mean, you feel like she might sort of come on again from the run sort of in terms of her well-being and stuff or do you think she's there now? No I think she's you know we'll see I mean I think we're getting very close to being exactly where we want to yeah. be so uh, you know as long as the next few days go alright she put in a bold show and she was very exciting last year, John, wasn't she? So you, yeah. you, know, you must be itching to sort of get her on. Well, we have been, but, you know, you just sometimes you have to be patient in this game. They're animals, aren't they? So they don't, they don't need us trying to force issues with them. And that's certainly not the way with her. Will you keep her to a mile? At this stage, but I'm sure she'll get a mile a quarter in time. Yeah, I think she would. Taking on in spiral in the Coronation Stakes will be the second from the Newmarket Guineas, Prosperous Voyage. And Nick caught up with her trainer, Rafe Beckett, to get the latest, but also got an update first on the well-being of Gold Cup Hope Scope. He's trained pretty well since Newbury. Been happy with him. And um, Prosperous Voyage, we had that aborted trip to to uh, for the priest and gallery that was um, down to the highways agency and their wisdom closing the M20 on Friday night when a large chunk of Liverpool was trying to get to Paris for the Champions League final and we kept missing ferries and in the end I rightly or wrongly decided that it was going to be too tough on her and turned her around otherwise to avoid an 18 hour trip um, she worked on Saturday and uh, she, she, she's, she's going to be ready for the coronation by the look of it, yes. It's a, it's a pretty spicy race. How much do you think she's going to have to take a step forward from Newmarket? Five pounds. Mm. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah. Isn't it all contingent on how good you think Homeless Songs is and whether in Spiral comes back the in Spiral we thought she was at the back end of last year? I mean, then they're, they're sort of two slight unknowns, aren't they? Homeless Songs... Looked like she really enjoyed soft ground. Um, obviously, that's only an onlooker's view, but uh, um, um, and we'll see whether that's right. But uh, yeah, and then Spiral. Well, it's tough to go there without a without a prep, isn't it? So 
yeah, it's, it's 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 not going to be easy. That's for sure. And we we like I say, we've got to improve to get in the mix. Ammo Racing have been firing in the two-year-old winners this season and look to have a strong hand in that division going into Ascot. Emily Scott is the racing manager to Kia Jarabchin's Enterprise and ran us through the likely targets for their runners. So Persian Force, who we've obviously seen twice, um, he's won, won the Brocklesby and then he won a conditions race at Newbury on Lockinge Day. He he definitely heads there. Likely to go for the Coventry at this stage. Um and then there's a, a nice Kodiak Colt who, again, has run twice. He was second in a very good race at Ascot. And then he, he followed that up at York by winning very impressively. Um, he's called Wallbank. Um, he, he will probably go to the Norfolk. He's got a lot of natural speed. And then we've got a lovely filly called Queen Ollie, who's a no-no-never filly, um, also trained by Dave Lockman. She's likely to go for the Albany. Um, She's only run once. We've only seen her once. She was out at York and she won really nicely there. She's, you know, she's out of a Galileo mare. She's got a lovely length of stride to her and I think um, a lot of class too. So obviously she'll go there with a bit less experience, but we've always liked her since day one. And then we've got um, a sort of a handful of fillies that are earmarked for the Queen Mary. But again, some of those might go Windsor Castle route instead um, rather than fire all our darts in one race a nice kodiak filly called olivia Meralda, who's actually not won she's finished second twice um she was a, sh- uh, a half a length second at the car on her debut in a nice race um and then she was behind statuette of of coolmores on her second start at navin so um we we, we hold her in high regard and i think she's bumped into bumped into a very smart filly of aiden o'brien's um you know on her second start and um the trainer holds holds her in high regard, Michael O'Callaghan. So she she's likely to go for the, the Queen Mary. Um, she did the fastest time at the Craven, so she's got a lot of natural speed, um, and you know she's got some some fighting experience now, having run twice. So she's an exciting filly. And then um, we've got a, a lovely Camacho filly with Richard Hughes um, that won at Chelmsford, looking very speedy and very classy. Um, and I think you know probably go there. Um, probably go to the Queen Mary. Um, Richard said she's come on for her run at Chelmsford, so that's that's exciting. Um, Ross got a real feel from her that day, um, and I think you know she she done not not an awful lot at home, enough to get to the races, but I think there's a lot more to come from her. Um, and then there's a nice Tazleet filly that won at Ascot called Omni Queen, um, another Dave Lockman horse, and then there's a, a very smart filly that that probably slightly disappointed on on the face of it in the mary gate at york miami girl she's a kotai glory filly of rich tan and she won first time out at newmarket looking pretty impressive and then we backed her up quite quickly in the mary gate and um it probably came a little too soon for her and, and she sort of slightly boiled over a bit at york um but she's been working really well since and has a lot of natural speed and Sort of, she's penciled in for the Queen Mary too, but again, could be one that could switch to the Windsor Castle. Well, Olivia Moralda, who Emily mentioned there, who actually is owned in partnership with Premier League footballer Philippe Coutinho, is trained in Ireland by Michael O'Callaghan. He's known for his success with sprinters, and his Commonwealth Cup Hope Twilight Jet proved himself over six furlongs last time out on his seasonal reappearance, and Michael spoke of his chance next week. Uh, last time at the Cor- or at Nace uh, in the Lack in his first start of the year, um, 
you know, he had some race fit rivals against him that day and, and he and he hit the gates and set really good fractions, done a very good time on the day. And Nace is a, is a stiff six um, and he ran through the line and, and Lee Roach found it hard to pull him up after it. So he's as good as ever. He's better than he, he's, you know, he's, it's, he was a good two-year-old last year. He got better with every run. And um, we always thought that he was going to be better at three just because of his physique. But you know when you're a trainer and horses are improving from run to run it's hard to it's hard to pull up stumps with them and um you know in, in hindsight the breeders cup was, was probably a bridge too far for him but you know he got a good break after that and when we started back in january he had a little bit of a setback so he probably got six weeks longer of a break than we than we would have hoped and um we just swam him for six weeks um about two weeks before the lacking stakes he probably wasn't just right and he just came in those last two weeks um we went into the lacking stakes thinking that he would need the run um and lee roach got off and said look he will improve for the run because he he took a big heave at the two pole filled himself up and went again um he's race fit now uh, he's shown that he's strong enough this year to see out those six furlongs um if you look back at the middle park last year um he really caught people's attention and he put them all to the sword and a furlong down he looked like the winner and just didn't have that strength to see out the last hundred yards and he's ran a very very big race that day and a lot of you know perfect power was won the race that day if, if, if Twilight Jet had that strength to have them all on their head and, and, and maintain it through the line like he did at Nace um um, I think he would have, you know, he would have taken a lot of beating back then. But he's a different horse this year again. He's stronger. He's filled into his frame. Uh, he's he's a great mind and and he's in love with the game. And um, I think he's he has a huge chance if if uh, you know he could get them on their head and and see out the six. Um, I think he he's he's going to run a very very big race. Really much looking forward to it. Yeah, the curve of his improvement is sharp. He's such an admirable horse, having run so many times last year. All the best with him. Who do you think heads your two-year-old team? Would that be Crypto Force? Do you think? Yeah, Crypto Force and the Chesham. He, he ran a he ran a, a lovely debut at, at the Curra over seven furlongs against uh, against a nice field a nice field of two-year-olds, especially some highly touted ones. Obviously, on the day. Um, Auguste Rodan of Aidens didn't have the clearest of passages but our lad also he didn't have the most straightforward races he was a little bit slow away um, he was probably last at one point and they went steady in that race which can happen sometimes in Ireland and they, they become sort of tactical races and you know they started to quicken from the three and he's five lengths down on the leaders at the three and he has to make that up and try and catch quickening horses just to get on par with them and you know, he did it quite well and Colin Keane rode him. He said he was a little bit green, ran around a little bit, will improve for the experience. And when he got to the front, he said he just idled a bit. So um, who knows if, if, if Aidan's horse got out, if, you know, if they eyeballed each other, what, what, what the outcome might, might have been. But I, I would have, I would be interested to, 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 to have seen that happen. But um, he's come out of the race really well. He's improved again physically. Um, he's filled out since uh, you know he's he's a time test out of a Galileo mare and he's you know he's not bred to be an early two year old but he has a lot of class and um, you know the Chesham is an ideal race for these sort of horses and um, you know I, I think whatever he does is is going to be a bonus I think he, he he's going to run a very very big race but he'll be a better horse in the autumn and he'll be a better horse next spring you know he could make into a Guinea's horse just the way he's bred and his physique and um, but don't take anything away from even now he's 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 very very good and he's very forward and he's improved from from the Curra um, 
So look, I think it's going to run a very big race. Now, we always hear the Aussies say that they've got the best sprinters in the world and next week they'll be here at Ascot trying to prove it. Chris Waller has flown over two superstar sprinters in Nature Strip and Home Affairs for the King Stand and Diamond Jubilee, respectively. And Chris spoke to World Horse Racing this morning at Ascot, where his two runners were on track. Uh, well, firstly, myself, it was a great privilege to be here, and I was a little hesitant as to how things would work out, and relieved to see them breeze up the straight in good form, as I would say. They looked, uh, looked at home. The whole reason for the exercise is probably to stimulate them a little without doing too much work. And I find, uh, like us, you take them away uh, to something new. It, it does uh, get the blood a little bit warmer and helps switch them on. So obviously they'll be coming here race day. There'll be a massive crowd on each of the days. Seeing the marquees to the inside and the big stand, which is just amazing uh, for all of us to see. But you could only imagine what a horse thinks when they're coming to a new environment. So it was just helping them be more familiar with it when they come back here next week. You don't want them falling apart come race day. It's a long way to come. Yeah, we're staying with Charlie Hills and his facility is just amazing. It's a privilege to be there like it is here today. And just the vast open spaces, the horses come first. In this day and age, um, that's what it's all about. It always has been, I guess, but there's the horses come first. Even when you're walking across the road, the locals will stop. Um, I don't think we could get that in Sydney. <laughs> Going across James Roost Drive, I don't think there'd be one, one car stop, let alone the whole, the whole pop population. So it really is quite amazing. And um, yeah, it's, a, as I said, a privilege to be here. We know that Wesley Ward always sends over a couple of rockets from the US, and this year looks no different, with Golden Pal favourite for the King's Stand and Queen Mary favourite Love Reigns, but Graham Motion will be hoping that he can also score for the States with his unbeaten filly Spenderella, owned by Gainsway Farm, and Nick spoke to him about what she's achieved on the track so far. Yeah, so she um, she didn't get a start till this year. Um... She really hasn't done much wrong, Nick. Uh, she's undefeated, like you say. Uh, and I think she's won pretty comfortably, but not facing the likes of what she'll face at Ascot next week. As you say, she's she's got here pretty pretty rapidly. Started off in in the winter in Florida. At what point in this three-race winning sequence did you think, hello, I could be having a crack at Royal Ascot? Or had you thought that before she even ran? I mean, I thought about it after she won at Gulfstream, but realized she had to pass the test at Keeneland, which she did very comfortably. Um, I didn't think it made sense. You know, she's had three starts this year. I didn't think if we were going to take a shot at Ascot, I didn't think it made sense to run her again between uh, Keeneland and now. So um, she's had a couple of good works. Hopefully she's freshened up a bit and, and ready to go next week. I mean, it's not really much use saying whether or not she's better or worse than the fillies you've brought before because you're facing completely different opposition. But what you do have is some context as to what you need to do to run well here. Um, So how do you feel about that in your heart of hearts? I mean, I feel really good about bringing her because otherwise I wouldn't do it. I mean, I've taken a couple of chances, like you said, and I really don't want to come back there just for the for the fun of it. Um, I like this filly a lot. She's done everything very easily. She's very classy and really kind of untested to this point. And it's, as I said, a pretty decent clutch of US trainers this time. Christoph Clemor, Rusty Arnold, who's been once before. Uh, Wesley Ward as well. I mean, could you see it growing yet further, or do you think we sort of reached a reached a point where we're not going to go much further? 
No, I think it's going to keep growing. I think there's more interest this year than before. I, I don't know numbers-wise if that's exactly correct, but I feel like there is. I think more of us are taking chances. Um, I, I think it's going to keep growing. You know, for my Philly, I, I'm not missing anything by coming over. That's part of the problem with bringing other horses over here. It's it's hard to pass up on some of these big money races over here. But, you know, going a mile in a grade one, I'm really not missing anything over here. She's already won a grade two. So it's a great opportunity for me to take a crack. It's extraordinary to me how we do have so much turf racing now in this country, whereas people are still looking to, um, when people go to buy yearlings, they still want to win the derby. And it's really, people don't go out looking to buy turf horses per se, whereas turf racing is becoming stronger and stronger in the States. Um, But I think you guys show over and over again that we're really a little bit behind you with, with our turf horses. Uh, and I think, again, that's part of the challenge of coming over there. I, I really wouldn't feel great about coming over there and running a mile and a quarter, a mile and a half against your horses, but running a three-year-old filly against three-year-olds going a mile and, and, and also with what Wesley does, I think, I think there's a niche there for us to take a chance. And, of course, if she, if she goes and wins, and you're not going to be bringing her here unless you think she's got a chance of winning, um, is there a dilemma about what you do with her then, or is it just a one-shot deal? No, it's a one-shot deal for me. I mean, you know, I would, I would be really getting out of my comfort zone to keep her over there and and do, you know, something along the lines of what Wesley has done and take her to France and what have you. You know, there's there's good opportunities for this filly this summer. Um, I, this is a one deal for me. Graham, who's going to ride her? Uh, William Buick rides her. That's a that's a tremendous booking. I, Sheen Murphy rode for you before, didn't he? I mean, how crucial do you think it is to have a European jockey in in a European race? You know, it's a real dilemma for me. Um, I think in this particular circumstance, I mean, Tyler gave her a great ride last time. He's only ridden her once, um, but did absolutely nothing wrong. I just feel like it's so different coming to Ascot, unless you've got somebody that's really experienced um, with the idiosyncrasies of the course. I think you're an advantage if you can get a Frankie or a William Buick or some of your other top riders. I, I just think it gives us a little edge. Obviously, he's done great over here, so we've followed him closely. I don't know William. I've spoken to him. But, uh, you know, I think when he became available, it was a great opportunity for us. I actually saw Spenderella just out having a pick of grass at the National Stud on Thursday and I was really taken with her physically. She's an attractive filly, she's got plenty of size and she's got a bit of quality about her. The team who were with her said that she travelled over really well, she was very relaxed. So although it's an ultra competitive race, I'd fancy her to run quite well. Now, because the episode has been so jam-packed with content, I haven't had a chance to recap on the news from this week. The main story, of course, has been that the BHA voted against their own proposal to cut 300 races from next year's fixture list, which, unsurprisingly, has led to confusion, annoyance and disbelief. If you missed Tom Stanley on Thursday morning talking with Paul Johnson of the NTF, along with Lee Mosshead or Nick this morning with Dave Yates, they are well worth going back to listen to. So Nick will be back on Monday morning with even more build-up and then stay with us throughout the week where Nick, I believe, will be recording on course. Have a great weekend and thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. 